Hello and welcome to the Sandro Forte podcast. Over the many years I've been running a business, I've met many, many successful people, entrepreneurs, sports stars, celebrities, and dare I say, even royalty. So what makes a person successful? Do we know what success is? And the all important question, can we create success for ourselves? This podcast series invites a diverse group of people to share their insights, their wisdom, and the things they've learned along the way. Lara Asprey is no ordinary matchmaker. She is the matchmaker to the rich and famous. She is CEO and founder of Asprey Introductions, as well as author of The Very British Rules of Dating and the reality star of UK TV's The Ultimate Matchmaker. Asprey Introductions has a unique approach to helping A-list actors, models and billionaires find love with an 80% success rate in people ending up in successful relationships. Maybe the reason for its high success rate is that it offers something most dating agencies don't offer, and that's relationship and life coaching. The coaching helps people reset their mindset after relationship breakups, regain confidence in themselves and achieve their goals. So I'd like to welcome today's very special guest for lots of reasons you're about to find out, Lara Asprey. Lara, welcome. Well, thank you, sir. Very kind of you. Very nice to be here, oh, actually. It's great to, to have you with us. And thank yeah. you for coming all the way into Soho to our lovely little pleasure, snug treasure. and cosy studio. It's very snug, actually. It's lovely. So uh, we've got 30 minutes, loads mm. of stuff to pack in because I know lots about you, but some people may not necessarily know. So we're going to try and put that right. I have to ask you, what made you decide to become a dating expert? Well, okay, so I I actually wasn't single myself when I started this whole business, but all of my friends were, and I was looking at them and I was going, why on earth are you single? You're so gorgeous and you're so funny. And I was hearing all these horror stories about, oh my God, I went on a date with this girl for nap. Ugh, never again. And there was just crap. They were meeting crap and they were wasting time and they were going, I don't have all this time. I want to have a family. I want to have kids. And men equally were just kind of like, where are all the quality? Where, where, is, where is this sort of ne- you know, mecca of beautiful, wonderful, attractive, elegant people? So I started what was called then in 2014, the Sloan Arranger, which was a very tongue in cheek name, but which was essentially targeting a completely untapped niche. And that niche was kind of the, the British bantery, don't take themselves very seriously ex-public school probably good university well educated not necessarily millionaires but they've all got um, they've all got a certain elegance about them a certain class you know and everybody when it came out went like thank god finally something that speaks to us it's not tinder it's not necessarily mass market it's a bit more niche so um we launched in 2014 we started doing matchmaking which is the core of the service still and events and it just blew up it was it went it went all over the place um and only in 2018 did we have to rebrand the name to Asprey introduction which it is today because we got all these people over from america uh, and internationally going so what <laughs> Like, what is a Sloan Arranger? I'm, and I was explaining the pun. That's a really good. That's a really good accent, by the way. Thanks. That was kind of really. I'm not sure what it was, by the way. It was kind of American-ish, Australian. Good enough. Good, good enough. enough. Yeah. But the, the point is, is that they just. It, I was 
tired of explaining the pun to people who weren't British and, the, and I had to scale the business. So we rebranded to Asprey Introductions. But the service is the same in that we still do matchmaking and we still do events to a sort of nice clientele who are looking for more than just a hookup or, you know, looking for a bit of meaning in a world full of empty connections. So what's really reassuring from what you've just said is that you don't necessarily need to be a millionaire. I think I'm quoting words correctly. Mm. So that gives m- most of us mere mortals hope. You know, actually, it's funny because it's a really good point. In fact, there were a lot of agencies that were targeted on people who were millionaires, um, but there weren't many that were targeting people with class. And mm. I felt that that was what was really missing because I thought, I don't necessarily think that's a great common denominator. If you're just meeting someone because they've got money, then that's an awful way of kind of forming a relationship because it's going to be kind of a bit, oh, okay. And what else have you got in common? I mean, you know, people with money, they, they look for more than just money. It's almost like once you've got that, that's one thing. But I need someone with a bit more to life and thoughts in their brain and I need to connect. So actually, it was it was targeting a completely different. Yes, they've got money. Yes, they're successful. And yes, we have had billionaires and millionaires, of course. But what attracts people to the agency isn't money. It's that okay, you've got to have elegance, you've got to have class, you've got to have a good set of values and you've got to be able to hold a conversation on a date and not be expecting the other person just to please you because you've got money in your bank. Mm. That's and I've not... checked you out and you have a fine-looking team. I do have a fine-looking <laughs> team. That, is that deliberate or is that just complete accident? <laughs> no, that's all. They were all handpicked. Um, ah, right. Because I think it's very important to have people who are sociable, who are out, who are single. A lot of them are single, a lot of them aren't. Um, but they're all schmoozers and they're all great networkers and they all bring in their own little black books full of exceptional singles which is what it's about because I know so many people they know so many people and once we all pull our people together we can certainly make some magic happen so wow Mm. well I'm fascinated to know a little bit more about your kind of USP if you don't mind me using that Mm. expression Mm. Uh, so this this whole um the, the the life relationship coaching yeah because I think most of us if we've ever experienced a dating agency it's just really a connection between two people. You mm. end up kissing a lot of frogs mm. and you end up, you know, getting a bit disillusioned with the whole process. But yeah. you kind of do more than that, don't you? So what, yeah. what was it that brought that about? Well, the relationship side, of the, the mm. coaching side of it. Yeah. Well, actually, it's a good question because I think matchmaking is, is only one part of it, actually. A lot of the time you look at, somebody will come and see us or come and see me, we'd have a meeting and they, they would tell me what they want. They would explain who they're looking for, what that person is like, what they look like physically and what they're like mentally and how they want them to connect with them and what they want and what they want and what they want. But the other side of the process is always about them and what they're projecting and what their mindset is. Is it fixed? Is it growth? Are they are they are they pushing themselves out of their comfort zones? Are they enabling opportunities? Because often people think, unfortunately, by coming to a matchmaker and by throwing money at the problem, it goes away. Because, you know, you can fix anything else in life. You can get a personal trainer and you can lose weight. You can get, uh, you know, you can get a cleaner and your house is clean. You can get certain things, anything. But with matchmaking... You can't. You can't just throw money at the problem and you get a life partner. You have to put the work in. You have to recognise what you're good at, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are. So it's sort of part of the process. If we were just to sort of send people on dates, I think that would be remiss of us because we would sort of be missing on on working on that person's um, persona and, and making them feel confident. You know, a lot of people come after divorce and they maybe had a really weakening experience they feel a little bit lacking in confidence and they feel a little bit stuck in their ways and women often come to me after divorce wearing all black you know like they're in mourning like they've sort of 
getting over the death of a husband and they're, they're like, I feel great. I feel really positive. And I'm like, well, I wouldn't get that energy from you because you're just comfortable. You know, you're mm. wrapping up your entire body. You're sort of making yourself feel comfortable. It's like having a morning coffee. It's comforting. It's it's reassuring. It's not necessarily what's good for you, though. So we take them on this journey of self-discovery and identifying what it is about them they want to push out there, what it is they're terrified of. And confidence, in my opinion, comes from control. It comes from being outside of your control. It comes from being in outside that comfort zone. That's when you feel confident. It's not a formula. It's not you can feel confident one morning if you put yourself in the right mindset. Yes, that helps. But the only times anyone ever really feels confident with themselves is when they push themselves out of their comfort mm. zone. So I work with them on that. And dating is completely about that because they are vulnerable. They're exposed. You know, they're sitting there kind of going, I don't know, I haven't dated in a long time. And Maybe I'm waiting for them to impress me. It's a reactive approach. Um, and I work with them all of these things because it's important. And I'm sure you know, you've done a lot of these things before with coaching programs. And it's a similar mentality, isn't it? It is, yeah. I'm th- I'm being a bit mischievous now mm. for a second. Um, Only I'm for reminded, a second. I'm, <laughs> I'm reminded of that um, that scene, that, mm. that well-known scene in Educating Rita, mm. where the lady who's you know, perched in her chair with the magazine. And then when she drops the magazine, you get a picture of this lady who, let's be honest, respectfully to the actress involved, is rather unattractive. Mm. And she's looking at a picture of Lady Diana at the time. She wants her hair done like, if I remember, doesn't she? Yeah. So do you get anybody come to you and say, Mm. I'd like Mm. to meet tall, dark, handsome guy? I might work the other way around. Uh, But I want to meet this person and hear all the credentials. And you look at them and go... Not a cat in hell's chance, love. Yes, uh, quite often, actually. Uh, And I think what happens is people kind of come in and they project what they think they deserve, you know, because they have a certain sense of... They've built up a level of success. They've done well in all areas of their lives apart from love at that particular moment in their, in life in their, in time and they feel that because everything else is on a, a high level that they deserve this that they deserve the taller and it's all it's all very well because part of me goes yes you you are very um eligible and you are very successful um but that doesn't make you entitled <laughs> to anything you have to you have to recognize your your own limitations whatever they are and then seek to overcome them so yes um often it is a case of Right. Well, that's not going to happen. Often it's, for example, men wanting younger women and older women wanting younger men, for example. That happens Mm. a lot where we get some sort of a a weird power play. Well, I think I can get a younger man because I still look good. Right. Well, would you consider an older one because you'd open up your pool of opportunity? Not really, because that's what I think I can get. Well, if you could get it, you wouldn't be here. (laughs) So we have to have a reality check here because we're having a conversation about helping you and you've Mm. you've obviously not been doing something right. So something has to change fundamentally. Mm. Um, But the truth is that if anybody were to come to me and with extraordinarily odd requests, I mean, to the point of, you know, bafflingly odd, I would just not take them on. There's no way I would take on anybody who, because it also doesn't represent my client base. I wouldn't want to send them out with my lovely clients mm. for them to go, is this the kind of caliber that you got? Ooh, I'm not sure I want to be set up again. Thanks. You know, and I've got to protect that. So yeah. no, I, I would basically say, well, we'll keep you uh, keep you in mind. Thanks very much. <laughs> Don't call <laughs> but, us, we'll call you. Yes. <laughs> I, one thing that strikes me, Lara, about what you do is this, this um, you, you project a truth and an honesty and uh, being able to manage Thank people's you. ex yeah you, you, you do I appreciate I'm, I'm being, that being straightforward with you mm. um, and managing people's expectations is a very very important part of 
life, relationships, not just personal, yeah. but in business and other aspects of one's life. Is is that part of your USP, would you say? Because yes. my next question to you is, what do you put your success down to? Mm. I think it's a combination of not taking on everybody. So I would only ever take on somebody who I 100 million percent knew I could help because I don't want anybody to have any complaints. I certainly want to sleep at night. Why are you looking at me like that? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It's, it's a funny thing because it's not like buying um, buying a dining table. You know, you buy a dining table, you might have a bit of you might have a bit of cognitive dissonance afterwards. Go, oh, I don't know if it fits in the room. It might be a bit big. It might be a bit small. But your heart's not really in it to the same point as investing in a relationship. You are messing with people's money, but you're also messing with their emotions, their their hopes, their dreams. You know, they they do go into this with with a lot of. Um, a lot of hope, which is great, but I would hate to mess with that. So I have to be, I have to say, I think the success rate is purely down to, I don't take on anybody and I have a, a, a sort of team meeting when we get a new client where we all sit down and before we even take them on, we, we make sure we've got the, the number of matches and the right type of matches even before they've, they've signed on the dotted line. And if we don't have that magic number of whatever it might be the subject to that person, we won't take them on. I'm it's interested that. in that word that we've we've just touched on, mm. the word investing. Investing in a relationship, mm. I think, are the words you used. Um, it, does it happen? I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but perhaps we can expand on this. Do you think there's a disconnect between what people see in themselves and what you see, i.e. reality? And if so, how do you how do you bridge that divide? Yeah, there is often a disconnect. I think um, it comes down to that sense of success. Uh, when people are successful in other areas of their life, they do feel that... They should be successful in love too, you know, and they expect they've got high standards in life. They go to the wonderful hotels, they go on wonderful holidays, they go to, you know, these exceptional experiences are part of their lives. It's part of their programming. It's what they're accustomed to, you know, to having. And so they expect that level of sort of excellence with their partners as well. The disconnect is quite jarring sometimes because, you know, it's very difficult to sort of um, to tell somebody you know, that, that there's a disconnect, that they should be lowering their, their uh, expectations with this or they should be meeting with people who are like this and not like that. Um, but that comes from, I think that comes from being quite honest. You have to be honest. And I, I wouldn't work with anybody who I didn't feel I could be honest with. If I, if I sort of, somebody came to me and said, I want to meet a supermodel who's 26 and he's 60, you know, and I want them all to be blonde and them all to be this and this, I would just go, well, I'm afraid that's completely unrealistic and I'm not that kind of matchmaker, to be quite honest mm. so with I can you. give you a good app. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's other things for that. Yeah. Uh, so the disconnect can happen, but as long as you, you take them on and they are they are sort of open to being worked with and they're open to meeting more people because they're hiring a matchmaker to do it for them. Mm. This is what I say. You have to trust us. We know what we're doing. We do this all the time. We do this every day, all day. You know, we have got a good sense of what you want, probably more than you do. So come to us and trust us. Don't um, don't come to us with your preconceptions and mm. expect that to be a success to you because preconceptions haven't worked before. So it's time for something different. I wasn't expecting to explore this during today's mm. conversation, Lara, but mm. the, the, it sounds to me that integrity is a very important part of your business. Yes. And I think a lot of people try to cut corners when it comes to integrity. That's my general observation. Mm -hmm. So... Um, Clearly, that's part of your, a pillar of your success. I want to just touch, I'm going to have to quote this. I've written this down, so I want to make sure I quote this correctly. Uh, you already have all the answers. You just don't know how to access them yet. That's kind of your mantra, isn't it, in, in business? So do you mind yeah. just sharing that and the reasons why that 
Yeah, well, That's I think part of your philosophy. As, I think the, the reason is when it comes to business, you have to be tuned in. You have to be tuned in to your calling, your your message that you want to preach. And I feel very passionately that within this industry of matchmaking, I went into it very knowledgeable that there were certain scrupulous matchmakers out there. I did my research, I did the due diligence, and I spoke to people who had experiences with these people, these companies. And um, I sort of said to myself, if I do this, I want to change everything. I want to make it a completely different product, a completely different service. And I don't want to have complaints. I don't want to get sued. I don't want to get people on the wrong side of me. I absolutely don't want to mess with people's emotions. So, yes, you know, you do have all the answers in that sense, because if you know that, if you go into it going, that's exactly what my mission is to never disappoint, to never to never mislead, then it's very easy. It's actually very easy because your success rate is going to be higher if you're very choosy. I mean, yes, I could sit here and say, well, I could have probably quadruple the amount of clients. And on a monetary basis, my business could be could be worth probably a lot more if I took on everybody who came to me. But it would also be, you know, I probably have a few court cases in there. I'd probably go to go to court. I'd probably get sued. Probably have to give that money back. So for me and, you know, my matchmakers to be happy and to have good you know, morale and feel empowered. That's the most important thing, you know. It's interesting because your success rate is is exceptional, isn't it? It is. But that's, that's I wholeheartedly believe it's because we only take on people that we truly think we can help. So what do you say to all the all the companies out there, and there's plenty of them, we've all had an experience or two. Yeah. What do you say to those that, you know, perhaps don't play by I, the set of rules that you perhaps look, wish to I'm, play by? Look, I'm not here to, to sort of speak badly of any other company. They've all got their own reasons and they've all got their ways of working. And that's totally up to them. All I know is that what I choose to do is is completely different. And look, I'm not led by investors. So I'm completely self, self-sufficient. self I don't have leads to, to, to satisfy my investors with. I don't have to give them an Excel spreadsheet every month of new clients. I can just do what I feel is right. So I'm actually, I'm, I'm very privileged. I know, for example, a lot of the other agencies aren't quite like, they have investment and they have to satisfy those investors with with numbers. And it's mm. a business from them, from their perspective. For me, it is a business, but it's also something that it's, um, you know, you have to be very, very careful how you, how you manage people's expectations. So. How has dating changed over the years? I mean, we've got, you know, you've mentioned Tinder, we've got this, it's become more accessible, hasn't it? You know, it's it? a really big question and something I'm fascinated with at the moment because it's um, it's changing constantly. And it's not just dating. If you think about online dating, it has conditioned us to think about people as a tick box exercise. We never used to think that they have to be within three mile radius, that they have to have brown hair, that they have to have um, no kids. Or We never used to have this mentality of looking at people like a takeaway menu. We never did. We we used to just meet them and we'd sort of work it out with them and we'd get to know them first. And then, you know, if, if we like them, we progress things. Now, it's um, relationships are very much kind of like when you call an Uber. You can go on there, you can find this, 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 this. And if they don't like that, then I will dispose of them. I will find the next thing. It's bigger, better deal syndrome. We're seeking connectivity over connection. We're not actually enabling ourselves to meet people, give them a chance. Um, and... This hookup generation is is getting worse, especially with the younger demographic. I think for the older demographic, the over 55, 60, 65, it's, it is very difficult because they're kind of, they're having to learn about technology in order to meet people. So they're kind of going, whoa, shock. <laughs> um, but modern dating, you know, you've got, 
ghosting, you've got orbiting, you've got curving, you've got all these terms that people are kind of going, I don't understand what I'm doing. Can't I just meet a normal person? I'm wasting so much time. I mean, I read the other day a stat that said people are spending 13 and a half hours a week on online dating apps and they're only actually meeting, 33% of them are only ever going on dates. Wow. So the other people are not actually going anywhere. They're just doing it for fun. I mean, it's like, what is going on? That's you know, a very poorly paid part-time job, isn't it? It's a terrible job. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like this isn't a game. People are treating it like, oh, well, I'll just see who's hot. And then if they're not hot and they don't immediately satisfy me, then I won't meet them. And actually, a lot of them will arrange a date and never turn up. You know, just it's awful. It's It really is. And I think a lot of people are coming to matchmakers because of that. They're going... I can't do this anymore. I haven't got the time and I have got no inclination. And also, I don't want everyone knowing I'm on, knowing I'm on Tinder or Bumble or, you know, all these apps. I'd rather keep it quite discreet. All, the, all these words you're coming out with are complete. It's like a different language It is a me. different language, but modern dating is becoming a different world. You know, the, um, the Brits are also the most... They're avid users of online dating, but that's because we are the worst at chatting people up. If you think about it, Italy, Spain, France... They are so romantic and they chat you up and they give you flowers and the woman knows her role and the man knows his role. And um, it's sort of a rite of passage for a man to approach a woman and, and win her over. You know, the Brits, unless they're drunk and it's sort of eight o'clock Thursday to Sunday and they're at a bar and they're standing up uh, or they're just about to leave. This is the classic times anyone will ever talk to anybody. No one talks to each other. Tubes. You do not look up. You just must keep looking down. And if you do get eye contact, it's like, oh, my God, I didn't mean to look at you. I must have been looking somewhere. I mean, really? Come on. We also have to be a bit better at this. We have to be a bit better at talking to strangers and letting them in and not so cliquey. Like, I don't know. He's not a friend of my friend of my friend of my friend. That means he's a stranger. That means he's weird. That means I can't ever talk to him. Ew, weird. I mean, God, come on. Brits are very reserved. So um, I think it's it's even more difficult. I think that's why even more of them are going on online apps because it's a safer way of rejection. You can hide behind the click. Mm. You don't actually talk to them. You can just go, oh, wink or whatever the thing is on that particular app. And you are saved that awkwardness of going, hi, <laughs> or whatever they want to yeah. say. It's really sad. I think people should be, and women also, we are very, um, we've been taught a lot of myths that we will find Prince Charming. He will come into our lives. He will approach us because fairy tales exist and don't do anything. You just stay there looking pretty and he will find you. So women are completely misled because they think, well, I don't have to do anything because I've been told that the one... Because there's one one. There's so many ones, firstly. There's hundreds of ones for each person. If you think there's only one one in the whole world, you're going to be wasting your whole life because you're never going to meet that one. You're going to waste time on all the non-ones, for goodness sake. So um, we are are told a lot of lies, which also don't enable us to feel confident and empowered. Why, Why do we scare men off? Why do we, why can't we text him this because we'll scare him? Why are women always told these things? It really annoys me. We should feel completely empowered and and uh, in control of our I feel situation. compelled to say to you that when you're finished with all this, mm. there is definitely an opportunity, a career opportunity for you to do voiceover work oh. uh, with all those accents and things that you can. <laughs> <laughs> French, Italian, I know, Ita- American. I'm just kind of getting carried away with it. Very impressive, very impressive. <laughs> I have to ask you this question since we've touched on both of these mm. uh, demographic being one yes. and the, and the rich and famous do they do they do things differently to to the rest of us not really not when it comes to love they're actually even more insecure interesting yeah because they um they they kind of are cautious of gold diggers and they're cautious of high profile relationships and they are 
you know, a bit fussier, actually, because they feel that they don't want to just be seen with anybody. They have to be quite careful. Um, a lot of them find the process a bit awkward if they're if they've got a profile out there. They're like, oh, oh, but um, yeah, they're generally the same in that they they all want someone special in their lives. I think they find it even harder to find them. And same being true of younger people versus let's say more mature people. Yeah. Well, I think the the more mature people tend to have a bit more of a sense of what commitment is. So they've been through it before, they've had relationships and they know what that looks like more often than not. Younger people tend to be going into their first or second committed relationship um, and are sometimes, you know, used to that hookup culture of just being next best thing and swiping in and out and this isn't this they're not perfect they're not perfect so that means that they're not perfect for me well we need to stop looking at other people's imperfections and start looking at what we could be and what we could do um and loving ourselves a lot i know it sounds a bit cheesy a bit cliche but it's true we project a lot of our insecurities onto the person that we want to meet happens all the time Mm. you know he's a bit too shy is that because you're shy you know i get that a lot i was a bit too introvert but you're introvert so are you just saying that because you you're introvert, so what's the problem? You should be a good match. Yeah, but I want someone extrovert. Oh, okay. Because then you realise they're just projecting what they what they're fearful of, and um, dating is often completely led through fear. Completely, it's a really interesting thing. Mindsets can be so fear based. He won't text me, so I won't. I won't write back because I'm worried he's going to dump me. So I'm just going to dump him, or you know, um, I'm going to get there late just in case he gets there late. So I'm not too keen. I don't want to be too keen. And I don't want her to think that I'm too keen, so I'm just going to drink. I'm going to drink one glass of wine, and I'm not going to drink anymore because I don't want her to think that it's all fear-based. It's all mm. like, oh, come on, mm. wow. We need to stop fearing everything and just going. I don't care if you, I'm like this. If you don't like me, then we're probably not going to. We're not, probably not going to get on. You know. So I'm fascinated to know where you think dating is going mm. because um, you know most of us have the experience of seeing perhaps more organisations, companies like yourselves who have helped people find love, Mm. to put it that way, then social media comes along. I I would have made the assumption that that would have have really spelt the end of businesses like yours. But it seems to me as if we're almost going full circle. It's exactly that, funnily enough. And I think um, you're right. In fact, it would have made sense for matchmakers to have been extinct by now with all of the progressive natures of social media and apps. But actually what's happening is, and I think there'll be a correction in coming years, is that there's just at the moment we're going through this explosion of apps. You name it, there's an app for dog lovers. There's an app for people in certain uniforms. There's a people, there's an app for every niche imaginable. And what's what I think is going to happen is that the volumes on those those specific apps are inevitably going to be too small to be sustainable from a business perspective. Because you can't ever have that many people on each app. And I think the niche natures will get bought out by the bigger apps and the bigger apps will become amalgamated. Um, but I think in essence, um, I think what we'll, we'll end up with two or three big apps in on the marketplace at any one time. I don't think there's going to be like there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. I think they're all going to become merged. But in essence, I think that the people are going to feel um, tired of it. That's what's happening is that I hear every single day, I can't do these apps anymore. I'm not meeting any quality People on there are not like their photos. I really haven't got the time. I feel like nobody gets me. I feel like they look at my photos and they rule me out because they're probably not good enough photos. Um, and generally speaking, they're not they're not doing anything for them. They've done it. They've been there, tried it. They've been on these apps so long that they almost look like a property that's not being sold. You know, it's like sometimes you have to come off the property market to go back on it with a fresh listing. You know, 
Um, so I think I'm hearing more often than not that it's just tiring. But interestingly, I did watch a documentary, not a documentary, it's a, it's a TV show on Netflix about the future of dating in that what the future, if we're going really, really far forwards, might look like. And it was fascinating because it was sort of looking at we are all going to be programmed before we're born with sort of iris technology that will depict whether we're compatible immediately and then will it will sort of find those people you know based on your likes and your algorithm and your internal body language and your internal metrics or whatever i mean it's kind of a bit scary to think that that's what could be because you know i could be looking at you and i'll know how how c- compatible we are immediately but isn't that kind of doesn't that take away all the completely. the mystery and the fun Com- i mean it's completely because making mistakes is as is as should be as enjoyable a process as getting things right I yes. guess in terms of the learning experience. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's I think it's important to have that that also that push pull dynamic in flirting is one of the most important things because flirting and banter or whatever you like to call it has so many metrics to it that make it intriguing. You know, it's the scarcity. It's not being able to kind of access them all the time, which is cool. That's fun. It's being put in your place a little bit. You know, if you're talking to someone and you just put them down to build them up and put them down, push, pull, flirting techniques, conversation techniques, skills like that make you more attracted. So I don't believe that you can have a predisposed body composition that will dictate your future. I think it's completely subject to your own verbal dialogues and mm. your own actions that make you successful with that person or not. You know, it's fascinating though to think, God, 50 years from now we could all be born <laughs> with a predisposed I don't have partner. to worry about that problem. Yes, <laughs> if I'm still it. alive in 50 years, I'm... You um, will anyway. be. You will be. Um, do you think, Lara, that success in relationships mirrors success in life and business? Their similarities? No. Now, it's an interesting one because if you think about it, you would think that people who are successful in life and business, I mean, what is success? That's always the question that we could ask when we ask these sorts of things because it These depends. questions are thrown together. They are. They're <laughs> kind of like, it, what, what would you define as success in business and life? I would say often it, you, you shouldn't assume because someone has got success in their life from a work capacity or a personal life capacity, that means they are predisposed to having a successful relationship. Um, in fact, often people who are more successful have worked very hard to the detriment of their social lives um, and also have worked very hard and maybe made success happen very quickly or not um, and have an expectation to have the same with their personal life, which means they have no skills whatsoever when it comes to flirting, talking to anybody and approaching, you know, at all. So they're completely on their own. You know, they're quite lonely a lot of the time. They work so hard that they alienate people. Um, and we have to work with them to sort of overcome these things and be like, how often do you go out? You know, who's your best friend? Do you go out with them? Do you have a wingman? Do you have a wingwoman? And often they'll be like, no, not really. I've, I've been divorced. I live now separated from my wife and um, I don't really go out as much as I, I used to. Okay, okay. And when you go out, do you talk to people? Do you, you know, are you sociable? I try, but, you know, we tend to sit down. It's a get married leg syndrome, I call it. You just sort of, <laughs> you, you know, married couples and they just sit. When you sit, you disappear. You can't sit. Women do the worst thing. They go out and they're like, right, Let's go together, like in a gaggle of geese, like seven of us, you know. Let's order a bottle. Make ourselves even more we'll inaccessible. S- exactly. Seven yeah. of us. Never go out with more than three because guys can't even talk to more than It's impossible. It's like <gasps> terrifying enough as it is. And then they go sit at the back of the room at a big table with bottles. So they're kind of protecting themselves from any approachable people. You know, I'm always saying to you, you have to make yourself approachable. You have to make yourself visible. You have to make yourself seen. If you sit, you, you're, you, you're basically invisible. Um 
we digress from the topic no, in question. No, but it's interesting, but it's, though, because a lot of people... It is interesting. Yeah, um, they, they kind of miss the fundamentals, don't they? The so. fundamentals are, you have to be, in order to be... Now, I, I say this because I, I presume a lot of your listeners are British or, you know, they based yes, here. Yes, although I have to say something like mm. 35 countries now. So, Great. Yes. Well, even better. Mm-hmm. Well, it does apply everywhere, because if you think about the fundamental rules of flirting, just to quickly go into this... The rules are that if you want someone to talk to you or you want to be talked to, you have to be visible. So you have to make sure they see you, firstly. So if you're ordering a coffee from a coffee shop, don't just go up to the counter and go, yeah, can I have a soy latte with hazelnut, please, extra hot, and then take it away. Stand at the back and go, earphones on, you know, listening to your music or whatever, completely unapproachable. You have to go in there and take off your scarf really, oh, so hot, say to the so hot in here, isn't it boiling? Oh, do you like my red coat? Do you like it? Wear something bright. Make sure you're, you're automatic. Say something very loudly so that everybody will notice you. Wow, this coffee is absolutely amazing. Or anything. I mean, that sounds a bit ridiculous. But you have to be visible. If you're wearing something, walk in. Also, women walk in with their bags, like, you know, hugging their handbags if they walk in and see their friend. And they're like, oh, hi. And they wait. I mean, there's nothing better than walking in, swinging your handbag, walking with energy because you become visible. As soon as you become visible... All of a sudden, people around you will go, oh, I've noticed you, whether they talk to you or not at that particular moment. The next thing is you have to be very close to them. You have to be make it easier for guys to talk to, or women equally. You have to be within a reasonable distance. So you have to say, like if you're at the bar, you imagine you're standing at the bar and you, you want to order a coffee or, or a drink. And you kind of go, oh, just going to... You don't even have to be chatted up. You can just go, would you mind passing me that menu? Because uh, I don't even know why I asked you. I always know what I want. I always order the same thing. Literally, I'm so predictable. But would you mind passing it to me? Or, or go, women, you know, you can go up to a, a group of guys and go, well, you know, there's um, I've just ordered all these drinks and I can't actually carry them. Would you mind holding these drinks for me while I go? They're not all for me. I'm not that <laughs> bad. I'm not that bad. And then you go away and you hand your friends drinks and you come back. So you are such a gentleman. Thank you so, so much. So it's always, you don't even have to consider it like you're chatting people up. You just have to talk to people. You just be close to them. And then you just have to talk. It's not like, you know, we're so fearful of having conversations sometimes and we need to break that down. So... So on, on just touching on a, a kind of a slightly off a tangent, mm. since lots of our listeners, Lara, mm. have kind of lost their way a little bit in life, lost a bit of confidence. So to all of those people that perhaps come into you who mm. are really struggling to find themselves, mm. what, what bit of advice would you give to somebody who's lost their way a little bit that's trying to get back on to whether it's, you know, the business ladder or yeah. life in general or a relationship? Because it seems to me there's lots of similarities are, between what it, you do. They and, are completely overlapped in so many ways. And I think that it comes down to a lot of it actually comes down to the bare basics of mindset. You know, we go into business or personal with certain mindsets, which can be completely prohibitive. And one of the worst ones is scarcity mindset, you know, for example, where when it comes to relationships or business with relationships, that applies because you go, there are no good people left. There are no men or women left. All the good ones are married or gay or taken or just not interested in me. With business, that would be all the good businesses have been done. There's no space for me. I've got no gap in the market. I can't do this. They've already done it. That is a brilliant analogy because we hear that all the time. But it's true. I've got no, there's no space for me. What have I got that's different? Mm. You need to have a USB, people are told. It's drilled into them. You have to have a credible USB. You have to stand out. You have to, which is true. But also that scarcity mindset breeds fear because all it does is it makes you think that time is running out, which applies to both business and relationships. Time is running out, so I need to do something quickly. Or I'm too old for this. 
I'm too old. I missed the boat. I can't do that. I can't run a business now. I've, I mean, all these young people out there who are completely, all these young people out there who are completely, you know, skilled up. I can't do it. all the same with dating. All these young people out there who are going to be hotter and fitter than me. I can't do this. So mindset comes into going from a fix to a growth. You have to be able to recognize the voices that you're giving yourself, and you have to say, "Well, I'm, I'm just going to, I'm just going to change the way I speak to myself. I'm going to apologize to myself. I'm actually going to say, I'm really sorry. God, I'm really sorry for speaking to you like that." I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to be kinder and I'm going to realise there's, there's opportunities to make a difference. And I think that I always say that the number of people who are successful is actually who think big enough to think big, really big, is actually very few because most people are just aiming one step higher. But the rec- if, you, if you really, really aim high, and I read this book ages ago called The Power of Thinking Big, which completely changed my mindset on success and business. And um, if you really, really think big, then those people who are thinking big, there are so few of them. Because most people are just scrambling to get to one level from where they well, are. They say there's a reason why 3% of the population employ 97% right. of the population. Yeah. For that same it's, reason. It's, it is absolutely the mm. case because people don't think they can do it. And I suffered a lot with confidence in my 20s. I thought... I cannot believe that. I did. Honestly, honestly, I was very... Well, you were living proof that things can be turned but around But I think then. anybody can. I think you have to recognise that um, sometimes you just got to do it. Because as I said before, confidence comes from doing things outside of your comfort zone. Mm. And as terrifying as it can be to do something outside of your comfort zone, the more confident you feel and the easier it gets to do more And often, things. Lara, what you know, what you fear, when you follow through, you, you reflect on it and think, well, actually, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it yeah, was going to be. it never is. Mm. It, I mean, you must know, you do public speaking gigs, people would quake in their boots at the thought of doing mm. that. You know, that's terrifying for most people. Go, oh my God, no. But you know, and I'm sure the first few times you did it, you might have felt a little bit quivery. I did discover the colour of adrenaline the, the, first, <laughs> yes. the first time I ever did it. But yes, you do, you do kind of warm into it. And now you probably feel like you're absolutely natural on stage speaking. Is that right? Well, Do you I feel would, I, I, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm that accomplished. But yes, I think it's definitely... Uh, the interview's like, we flipped the interview now. You're interviewing me. That's not the way this is supposed to work. Um, so, I, I look, I could go on talking to you all day. This is really fascinating. I cannot take notes quick enough. Uh, but, but time is marching on. I have to ask you the same question that we mm. ask all our guests. Mm because we don't want to treat anyone differently. And I want to kind of summarise all this amazing stuff you've been sharing. And I'm sure we're going to get thousands of calls from people saying, you have to get this wonderful lady back and tell us Aww, more about how so to, to to meet people and, and grow ourselves as individuals. But one question I have for you, Lara, is taking all those amazing things you've learned mm. uh, in life and business, from the shrinking violet to the person you are today, mm. um, what one piece of advice would you give to a younger version of Lara Asprey? given all that you know today? Well, I think I was very conditioned uh, to growing up in a, in a certain expectation, let's say, and I think a lot of people are guilty of this, that you have to do the school and then you have to go to university and then you have to go into a graduate career and then you have to do a job that progresses from that and then you have to build your way up the career ladder and you have to do that because you've done all this work before. And I was almost made to feel like, well, that would be a complete waste of all the stuff that you've done, all that education and all the degree and all the postgrad and all the mar- and all these things that you, you do. You're told, well, you need to do that for a reason. And yeah, you do need to do it for a reason. But the only reason that I recognise is because you're investing in yourself, not because you're expect- your expectation of yourself should be different. And that's a really big difference for me because... 
if you can have all of that, all of those tools or any pre-life thing, maybe you've you've gone to school and you feel like you've been subject to a route, you know, that that's, that's your expectation, that's your destiny. Take it as a positive that you've had that, but don't feel that you have to fulfil anything. Don't feel that you're limited. You're not limited. No limit, limited beliefs, limiting beliefs are the... They are the death of anything, any dream, any entrepreneurial idea, any anything. It's just the power of your limited beliefs are incredible. And I realise, and I, I think if I were 20 and I was, you know, going through it again, I just I would just say, do what you want to do. If you want to get a degree and you want to do that, do. But most people don't know what they want to do. So there's no point giving them a predisposed plan and saying, this is your, this is what you need to do because this will lead you here. X doesn't lead to Y anymore. Yes, you can get a job and you can sit there and you can work hard and you can progress and you can build your way up. You can do that. But there's no reason why that same mentality can't apply to anything else you want to do. So I really am passionately um, all for empowering people. I think that it's not always easy to step into that space because it's terrifying. And you think, what limited beliefs have I got? Most people don't even know because they're limited. <laughs> it's an mm. ironic thing. You don't even know what you're limited of because you can't think about them because you're limited. It's really weird. So I would definitely say to myself back then, I'd say, look, take, take the blue sky thinking, take the lid off it. Don't even aim for the sky. Take the lid off the sky because the moment that you do, the moment you can step out of it and then you can really explore things. It's so with all these people, that's great, by the way. Thank you. Um, with all these people now reaching for tablets and iPads and, and mm. laptops going, right, we need to we need to find out more about this lady. Uh, how do they find out about well, Lara Asprey, Asprey and your business? Yes, business is Asprey Introductions. We um, we offer matchmaking. But we also offer coaching, relationship and life. And um, we do events. We do all sorts of things. So if they want to get in touch, they can contact me via the website, asprreyintroductions.co.uk. And we'll be back on TV in The Ultimate Matchmaker, the TV yes, show, exciting. back in the summer. So, um, yeah, you'll have to tune into that as well. I will, so, absolutely. L- yeah. Listen, Lara, it's been an absolute pleasure today. I found this so fascinating. I know Likewise, everyone listening will, will feel the same. So thank you. And uh, dare I ask this question, there will be lots of calls to hear more from you. So you might have to come back again. I would love to. It's been a real pleasure. And share some more. So uh, really, it's been fabulous. Really great. Thank and you Thank so you for much. sharing so many pearls of wisdom. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed it. That was the Sandro Forte podcast. And what a fascinating guest Lady Lara Asprey was. There are many more fantastic guests joining me over the coming weeks, so please make sure you subscribe if you want to pick up some great tips on success. Remember, you can follow us on social media at Sandro's Podcast. That's Sandro's with an S, don't forget. Same on all channels. And we'd love to hear your stories, ideas, anecdotes, challenges, or whatever motivates you. So please email me, hello at sandrospodcast.com. And if you can, please leave a review on iTunes so we know what you'd like more of in the future. Thank you.